today I am talking with Chen Yu, who is uh, co-founder of YiPay. Um, we're in Beijing. YiPay is a payments company um, based in Beijing in China. Um, Chen, take it away. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, and where you come from. Uh, I, w- I was born and raised in China, but I, I lived in the I lived in the States for about ten years, um, three years in Chicago and seven years in the in the Bay Area in Silicon Valley. Uh, my background was mostly uh, technical. I actually went to uh, college in China in Beijing here, uh, and believe it or not, after the Tiananmen Square crackdown, I spent a year in the Chinese military as well. And then I went to uh, grad school in the in the States, and I, I worked in the States mostly in the IT industry for about uh, eight years before I moved back to China and founded this company. Uh, and we started the company in uh, August 2003, so uh, we've been running this company for almost six years. Um, and uh, we officially launched the service in early 2005, right? So our service has been up and running in, uh, for uh, more than four years. Okay. Okay. Um, so right now we are one of the uh, leading payment service providers here in China. We work with many uh, merchants uh, across all different industries, right? From e-commerce to uh, digital entertainment, like online gaming websites, uh, as well as uh, major airlines and travel agents. Uh, and we provide a variety of payment service products uh, that merchants can actually use to collect uh, payments from their consumers. All right, so let's um, take a step back. You were in the military after Tiananmen Square. Can you tell me about that? Uh, it was actually mandatory after the Tiananmen Square crackdown because I went to uh, Beidat, right? That was like the uh, center of the uh, student movement. So uh, basically the the authority thought we were the troublemakers, right? They, so they sent all of us to the military academy for one year, military training. How old were you then? Uh, I, I just entered college, so I was 18 hmm. uh, back then. It, it was a very uh, unique experience. At the time, we hated it. But, you know, looking back, we learned a lot from that one year of the experience because I never really went to uh, B school. So for me, that's really, uh, you know, B school because I, I learned a lot from, you know, how to work with other people and what? how to deal with all, all different kinds of situations. Hmm. Were, were you actually there at Tiananmen Square? Uh, I, I wasn't in the Tiananmen Square when it happened, but I lived in Beijing. So, you know, a lot of things actually happened uh, in the streets leading to Tiananmen Square. So we definitely, you know, witnessed a lot of things. Hmm. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll change the subject because I know that's a sensitive area to, to right. talk about in China. Um, so, um, talking about um, just on a, on a unrelated point to, to what you're doing, but um, Max Levchin, um, who was at PayPal, do you know him? Uh, no, I don't. But uh, well, I know I, I know the name, but I don't know I don't know the person personally. I mean, if you're a tech guy in a, in a financial company here in China, that's are you the are you an equivalent of him in China? Uh, not really. My 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 role here at ePay uh, is mostly uh, sales and marketing. Uh, my background when I was back in school was in the technical area, but uh, w- once I started working. Uh, in the Bay Area, I actually moved more to the business side. Uh, before I joined, uh, before I founded this company, I was actually working at Oracle, uh, the database company. Where, where at Oracle? Uh, in Redwood Shores, their headquarters. Which division? Uh, well, I was actually in the product management for Oracle Application Server. You know, I was a product the manager in the database division. Oh, what what, what, I was there uh, 90, 98, 99, 2000. Okay, I, well, that's, that, well that's, that's great to know because we must have some overlapping. I worked for Thomas Korean. Do you know who he is? I worked for Thomas Korean as well. 
Because <laughs> he, he ended up taking... Yeah, so I was with him in the database division before he moved to that location. Okay, okay. So, I so we had the same boss. There you go. And we had the same boss, you know, small world. Interesting. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was very interesting. Because I, I worked under uh, Thomas Korean from 2001 to 2004. Oh, okay. before, before that, I was in the Global Alliances. Under uh, Polly Sumner? Uh, no, uh, it was uh, Jay Peratz. Okay. Hmm. Cool. Um, so talking about then about ePay today, um, can you give us an idea of like the size of ePay? Like what kind of volume of processing are you doing right now? Uh, we process about uh, over three billion RMB per month. What's that in dollars? So that's roughly about. Uh, let me try to do the conversion. That's roughly about four hundred million USD. So you're, you're processing 400 million US dollars per month. 400 to 500 million USD per month. So six billion dollars a year. Uh, pretty much, but we're we're growing. Like, like last year, we actually grew about five times compared to 2007. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is a very fast-growing market because the starting point in China is really low, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, pay, pay, if you compare, you know, the payment segment to a lot of the other internet segments, right? Payment is one of the areas that we're lacking so behind. Right. Yeah. So you're really big. We're not the biggest one. I mean, there, there are bigger ones in, in China. But you know, the, the interesting thing about China is that the market is very uh, fragmented. Right? Mm-hmm. So every, every player in this market is trying to attack the market from a different angle. Uh, so I don't think in, in the end it's going to be a winner-takes-all situation. Right? So as long as we find our position, uh, we, can, we can definitely uh, build our own uh, business. So you want to tell me a little bit about the angle then that you're using to attack that market? Uh, well, I think the biggest difference between us and a lot of our competitors is that we try to focus, uh, well, I think mostly in three areas, right? The first the first area is that we try to provide a total solution, right? Uh, because in, in addition to online payment, we also process uh, telephone payment and mobile payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, addi- in addition to supporting, um, you know, bank cards like credit cards and uh, debit cards, we also support universal prepaid card payments. Uh, meaning that any user can just go to a convenience store and buy it. Actually, tell you what, why don't we take a step back? Because mm-hmm. um, we're coming to, at this from a perspective where we mm-hmm. don't know much about payments at all in China. Right. Um, so maybe before we go into that sort of detail, could you just tell us, I mean, as, as I understand it right now, um, there's no payment solutions in China particularly. There's no easy... The people generally don't have credit cards, right? I mean, I guess people in... The, the wealthy 5% of the country have credit cards? Would that be correct? Uh, well, it's changing. It's changing very rapidly. I mean, you could be right, like, five years ago, but now a lot of people... What percentage of China has credit cards today? Uh, well, China has more than uh, 100 million uh, credit cards issued today, right, compared to... But how many people have credit cards? We, we have 1.3 billion people, right? Uh, and of, of course, you know, a lot of these credit card holds, uh, holders actually have more than one card. But right. still, the, the, the market penetration is taking off very rapidly. Uh, the other thing is that so in do, China, do you know how many people have credit cards today? Uh, I don't have the exact percentage number, but it, you know, it's taking off very rapidly. But there is 100 million credit cards, so that could mean 20 million people have credit cards today? 
Uh, I think it should be more than that. Well, the the other thing is that not in China, not not only we use uh, credit cards. Most people actually use debit cards for online payment,、mm-hmm. and there are over one billion、uh, debit cards issued by various banks. Debit cards are they all standard like Visa, Mastercard debit cards, or are they bank debit cards?、Uh, there are bank debit cards, and also in China we have the standard called China Union Pay, right?、Mm-hmm. It's the equivalent of a Visa or Mastercard, just like JCB, right? It's the standard in Japan. Right, so in, in China, we like every debit card is like a China Union Pay card, right? If you if you use the card through the China Union Pay network, it's just like you're using a Visa card、uh, through the Visa network in in the states.、Hmm. Okay.、Um, so, how much? I'm taking it from my experience in the Dominican Republic. There is、mm-hmm. a very, and it's obviously a small country. It's an island, and it's a third world country.、Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, the majority of the country don't have credit cards. A lot of people do have some sort of debit card, but there's a very large percentage of the country. I would say 60% of the population、mm-hmm. that would not be able to pay things easily online. They wouldn't have、um, a debit card. They probably don't have a bank account. They don't have that sort of stuff. Is that、mm-hmm. the case here in China, or is it different? Well, I, I believe the、uh, the penetration is probably higher. Well, I think it's definitely higher in China.、Uh, well, there are definitely, you know, in terms of percentage, percentage, there are definitely more people actually have a, either a credit card or debit card.、Uh, the problem is that a lot of people do not know how to use these debit cards or credit cards for online payments.、Mm-hmm. Right. So many of them do have a debit card or credit card, but they can't really use them for online payments. When you say many, can you be more specific? Well, there.、Uh, In China, the、uh, I think last year the the number of、uh, you know online payment users、uh, were around 50 to 60 million, right? So compared to the, the overall market, it's still just a small percentage. 50 to 60 million, okay. 50 to 60 million online payment users.、Mm-hmm. So that's so these billion dollar companies, these billion dollar internet companies that are being built in China are being、mm-hmm. built on a, a base of users that are 50 to 60 million people. Well, not not necessarily. I mean, not not all these internet companies necessarily have to collect payments from their users, right? They have different business models. Right. right. Many of them, ba- many of them, basically relied on advertising, right? In that case, you don't need to have a payment mechanism to collect money from your users. But the、And、the big ones are basically gaming, right?、And、well, the gaming guys. Even for gaming guys, right? They don't necessarily rely on the、um, on e-payment. Okay.、Uh, they use bank、money. transfers and other stuff.、Uh, not not even that. They they have.、Uh, Basically, what we call the the prepaid card system, right? They, they have a distribution network. They can sell physical prepaid cards issued by、okay. vendors. So people can just go, go to any、uh, any of the newsstands or convenience stores to buy a game card, right? Basically, a prepaid card, and use that as a、uh, payment method. I know that's outside the, what you guys do, but maybe can you talk a little bit more about that? Is that is that、yeah, like actually, a, a mobile phone card or? Well,、uh, well it's similar to mobile phone prepaid card.、Uh, Except these cards were issued by are issued by the vendors, game, online games operators, right? And、uh, as a matter of fact, we support universal prepaid card payment as well, right?、Mm-hmm. What that means is that although we don't issue our own、uh, prepaid cards, we can actually、uh, leverage the、uh, existing distribution networks、uh, of other vendors' prepaid cards. So it's pretty much the case that any user can go to any convenience store and buy a, a vendor-specific gaming card and use that as a generic payment tool、mm-hmm. on our system. So you can you can actually、uh, say buy a China Mobile prepaid card and use that as a form of cash to pay for other games.、Right. So let's that, so I can go to China Mobile and, and buy a twenty-dollar card. You can buy a twenty-dollar card. So that's the, the, the cell phone company.、Yeah. I can buy a twenty-dollar card. 
and I can use that to buy things on Upay. Uh, exactly. Instead of using that to uh, to recharge your phone bill, you can use that twenty dollar card to pay for uh, online games. Say, for example. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that, that's what we call a universal prepaid card, right? That's but so the, and so the gaming companies, I mean, they're using prepaid cards like mm-hmm. World of Wonder. Can I buy World of Wonder prepaid cards at at uh, kiosks around the country or at corner stores or whatever? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Can I buy um, prepaid cards? World of Wonder, you know the game, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can I buy prepaid cards, cards for World of Wonder all around the country? Uh, yes, I mean they have. Uh, well, you mean the World of Warcraft, right? So, sorry, World of Warcraft. Yeah. War, World of Warcraft. Yeah, I mean the World of Warcraft was operated by the Nine, right? Which is uh, one of the uh, the biggest online game operator mm-hmm. here in China, and they, they do have their own distribution network to sell prepaid cards, right? So you can you can buy any of their prepaid cards and use that to pay for online games. So I can I have to buy it from the Nine, from their distribution network. Not so there's a company. What are the the cards branded as? Uh, is branded from uh, from the nine. Yeah, from the nine. Mm-hmm. And where would I typically buy one of those cards? Well, like Seven Elevens, like any uh, department stores, right? They have a section that sells prepaid cards, like China Mobile cards and game cards, and you know all sorts of prepaid cards. Right. What ha- so if you go to a Seven Eleven, what would, how many would typically? How much of a selection would there typically be of prepaid cards? Uh, well, you have a variety of prepaid cards, right? I mean, just like I said, you can buy a prepaid card to pay for your phone bills from China Mobile. You can so, how many different companies could I different, typically buy prepaid cards from? Are there going to be 20 different types of prepaid cards there? Uh, probably, yeah, around that range. Yeah, a dozen, you know, prepaid cards issued by different vendors. And the, what would be the most important ones that, that would always be sold? Uh, I think the uh, the most universal prepaid card you can expect is definitely China Mobile, right? Because every I mean the the mobile market is definitely the, the biggest mm-hmm. has definitely the biggest user base. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what else would be your big ones? Uh, China Telecom, China Unicom, mo- mostly telecom cards. Mm-hmm. Right? And so those would be eighty percent, would they? Uh, I don't have the exact percentage. And then and then what would be the other then? And so the remaining, say twenty percent, what would they be? Well, like vendor-specific cards, you should buy the nine by Shenda, which is another you know online game operator in, in China. But so we're talking so around 80% would be mobile phone, and then the remaining 20% would be gaming companies. Would that be accurate? Are there other major industries that are using these prepaid cards? Uh, well, sometimes you can buy gift gift cards as well, right? Just like if you go to Macy's, right? They mm-hmm. have their own gift cards, right? I mean, that there are a lot of uh, vendor-specific cards that you should buy, you know, different vendors. Yeah, but the telecom and gaming, I, I think these are the two biggest okay. uh, prepaid card issuers. Mm-hmm. And let's say I go to a 7-Eleven and I can't get, the, like, that, that, let's say they don't have the, the nine, so I can't mm-hmm. get a World of Warcraft ga- card. Mm-hmm. Where would I, where would you, where does one go to buy one of those cards when, when they're not? Well, they can probably go to a, a newsstand, right, or a department store, a supermarket, right? A lot of these, you know, places actually sell these prepaid cards. Hmm. Okay. And then what's the what's the the model like? Uh, actually, now what are the, the the typical sizes in these prepaid cards? Like from what dollar value? Uh, up to you what mean denominations? Yeah. Uh, usually uh, in dollars. In, well, in dollars. Let me try to do the conversion. Just again. like probably ten, ten dollars, twenty dollars. You know, they, they have different de- denominations, right? But so typically the highest is around twenty dollars. Uh, well, there are you know in, in some cases you could go as high as fifty dollars probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, So these cards then, um, 
you, when you're talking about universal cards, a lot of these cards can then be taken and put into your system. That's right. And uh, how many of these, like let's say the dozen that I'd see at a 7-Eleven, how many of those dozen do you guys support? Uh, we have about a half dozen cards, but those half dozen cards actually cover most of the uh, you know, uh, user base, right? Because as long as you cover China, China Mobile prepaid card, you pretty much cover you know, all the users, right? Because they can, they can always buy China Mobile prepaid cards from any convenience store. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so on to other major forms of payment. So we've talked about prepaid cards. Right. Um, can maybe can you just talk about uh, credit cards and debit cards? Yeah, I think we uh, I think we got into this prepaid card you know discussion first, but actually that that was only part of our business, right? right. Our, our main. Business well, we're, we're here to talk about the overall payments yeah. in China, right? right. So we'll, we'll definitely cover your business. I need to right. understand like the foundation of how that works right. to be able to understand your business. Well, absolutely. I think the bulk of our transactions actually still uh, are still based on the bank cards, right? Credit cards or debit cards. Uh, and depends on you know which bank you're talking about. You know, for some some of the banks, the uh, the credit card uh, percentage is higher. And mm-hmm. for for most of the banks, uh, actually most of the users use debit cards uh, because you know in China the, the credit card penetration is still relatively low. So what what percentages of your business is prepaid cards? Uh, well, in terms of the transaction volume, it's relatively small. It's less than ten uh, percent. Uh, but the but in terms of the revenue is actually a significantly higher because the transaction fees uh, in terms of percentage is much higher compared to bank cards, right? Okay. Actually, that's something I wanted to ask you. So just um, one last question then on the prepaid cards. Mm-hmm. 7-Eleven or a department store that takes them, let's say they're, they're selling a $10 card, what percentage does the department store or 7-Eleven get? Uh, that's a good question. So I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> because I, I think... It also depends on the different types of cards, right? I think for China Mobile prepaid card, usually the reseller, right, the, the last leg of reseller takes less than 1%, maybe 2%, right? So uh, because you, you have different levels of distribution mm-hmm. network, right? So I mean, everyone has to take a cut, right? Right. In our case, if, if, a, merchant, if a merchant wants to collect payment through a prepaid card like China Mobile card, right, mm-hmm. Uh, we we usually charge the merchant around 15 to 20 percent of the transaction. Uh, that may seem very high. You charge the merchant or the user? We we charge the merchant, right? So if okay. I want to use a, a hundred a ten dollar mm-hmm. um, China mobile card to buy things on World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. you're going to charge World of Warcraft or the Nine, which which has been the operating company. Right. You're going to charge them 15 percent. We're going to charge them 15%. Well, it depends on the transaction volume, but that, the default range is around 15%. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that may seem very high compared to uh, credit card, you know, processing, right? Uh, but well, the, the, well, the comparison actually really comes from um, you know the SP mobile phone billing model, right? Because previously, a lot of these content providers actually relied on mobile billing to collect their payments, right? Mm-hmm. So if they work with the carriers, the carriers usually take more than you know, 15 to 30 percent of the uh, transactions volume. It, and is your 15 percent higher just because the market will support that, or is that because the costs are somehow higher? Uh, well, because the market will support that, that's one thing. The other thing, uh, well, that's mostly because you know people use this kind of payment method uh, mostly for digital content, right? So the, the cost is relatively low for the content providers, mm-hmm. right? So they, they can afford to pay uh, a higher fee for payment. Uh, the other thing is that, like I said, the comparison really came from the uh, the previous mobile billing model, where the content providers relied on 
mobile carriers to charge for them, right? In that case, the fees could be even higher. Okay. So we've talked about then the size of this market. Can you maybe talk just more generally, not talking about your company, generally talking about debit cards and credit cards and how they work in China? Well, like I said, overall, the debit card and credit card penetration in China is still relatively low, but it's taking off very rapidly. As I mentioned earlier, there are already over 1 billion debit cards issued by various banks in China, right? So do you know what percentage of people in China would have a debit card? Well, the overall population is 1.3, right? If you assume that one person has like two or three cards, that would translate into 20 to 30 percent of the people actually have bank cards, right? So it's changing. It's taking off very rapidly. The other thing is that the payment infrastructure in China was lagging behind, right? So people still heavily rely on a lot of legacy payment systems, right? For example, like cash on delivery, like postal wires and bank wires, right? So e-payment is just taking off here in this market because it's a very practical need. Across the industry, almost every segment requires some form of e-payment because the whole infrastructure was missing before. On to debit cards, how many major types of debit cards are there? Is there one standard for debit cards, or then is there lots of segments of those also? Well, if we're talking about only one standard, then it's China Union Pay, right? It's the equivalent of Visa or MasterCard here in China, right? All the banks are required to connect into China Union Pay network, right? So, I mean, every bank issues their own debit cards or credit cards, right? But ultimately, they have to brand these cards as China Union Pay cards, and they're all connected and supported by the China Union Pay network. And many of these cards are also Visa and MasterCard, but other than carrying the logo, they don't really go through the network. Do consumers feel comfortable about buying things online with their debit card? Again, it's quickly changing, right? I mean, on one hand, you could say a lot of people still do not feel comfortable buying things online, and partly because it's a cultural thing, right? Because, you know, Chinese people and Asian people in general believe in tangible things, right? So trust, in a way, trust is a much bigger issue than payment, than the technology itself, because people usually do not trust each other, even when they're doing business face-to-face, right? Let alone they're doing business over the Internet. But on the other hand, it's also quickly changing, especially the younger generation. They're more quickly when it comes to adopting new technology and new way of payments. Okay. So generally, I mean, this is really interesting. I wasn't expecting this. Generally, a third of the country has access to debit cards, and they're starting to become more comfortable about buying things online. That's exactly right. I mean, if you look at the figures, right, last year, 2008 compared to 2007, the average market grew by 180%. That's almost three times the size of 2007, right? So it's a very fast-growing market in terms of the transaction volume, payment transaction volume. It's still relatively small compared to, you know, U.S. or some other major markets. But if you compare it to the history here in China itself, it's a very fast-growing market. What about, so, 
in uh, I've heard in Germany there is no such thing as a chargeback. If you charge something on your card, there's no no right to to turn it back. Mm-hmm. Is that how do the chargebacks and refunds work here in China? Oh, uh, that's pretty much the case in China, right? There, there's no credit card chargeback, right? If you um, in most cases, if you if you pay with your credit card or debit cards, you, as a consumer, you don't have the right to take it back. Uh, refund works in a different way because refunds refunds are actually uh, initiated by the merchants. Mm-hmm. Right? So if the, if, if the merchant agrees to pay you back to, to refund you, I mean you can you can get your money back. But but again, that's that's initiated by the merchants, not by the consumer. Right? You can't as a consumer, you can't say you know I, I didn't pay this. Uh, I, I I don't want to pay this, right? There was not a transaction made by me. You, you, you don't really have the right to say that because it's very limited protection for the end users here in China. It's good. It's, it's both good and bad, right? The, the, the bad thing is that it, it probably slows the uh, the adoption of credit cards, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the good thing, at least at least for the banks and for payment operators uh, like us, uh, is that there's less risks, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what about fraud then? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, because if there's no chargebacks and there's no refunds, or refunds well, there's still fraud. I mean, as long as you're, you know, as long as you're dealing with money, you can expect there's a certain level of fraud, right? Right. Uh, because people might be using, um, you know, stolen cards mm-hmm. uh, to pay for online transactions, right? Uh, and if they can't, well, sometimes if they can prove that those cards. Uh, were indeed stolen by someone else and made the payment, right? I mean, you have to, the bank have to refund them, right? And we have to refund the banks as well, the merchants. Uh, and, and the other thing is that some of the merchants might not be uh, legitimate, right? That there might be some, you know, merchants on, on the merchant side as well, you know, they, they might be involved in uh, fraudulent transactions, right? So as a, as a payment company, you need to be able to detect those fraud transactions. Uh, and you also need to have a very sophisticated very sophisticated risk management system to constantly mo- monitor all the transactions. And, and in your role as the technology guy, I imagine that's where you spend a lot of time, is it not? Uh, well, that, that's definitely you know the, the, the core com- competency of any payment company, right? But that, that's not my uh, major not. responsibility at this company. We have a dedicated uh, risk management team uh, who actually uh, plays this role. I mean, because fraud was one of the areas that almost uh, killed PayPal. Uh, that's true, but again, in China, like I said, it's, it's both good and bad, right? I mean, uh, there's very well. It comes from that the fact that there's very little protection for the end users, right? So, so in in a way, it's it's bad because it slows down the overall adoption of. New when products. you say very little protection for the end users, what do you mean? Well, that means if you lose your money, uh, well, that that means if you lose your card, you, you lose your money, right? The bank. In most cases, if you cannot prove that your card is stolen or anything, then you don't get your money back, because the end users have to bear the ultimate responsibility for your own card. Right. So what if you get kidnapped mm-hmm. and someone forces you to withdraw money from your bank accounts? Well, um, which happens. I mean, well, it happens. It happens. You have no recourse. Uh, well, it depends. You know, uh, in that case, well, it's probably the example you gave. You gave is probably you have to go to a case by case. Uh, you know, situation, right? Really but, but I mean, in the U.S., you could generally get that worked out. In the U.S., you can generally get that worked out. You, you, you can generally here, you can't get that worked out. Well, it takes a lot of effort to work it out here in China, right? Because by default, there is no uh, general protection for the end users, right? Mm. So that's really yeah, got to slow well, down the adoption of right. cards. The other thing is that I think the other more fundamental difference is that in, in China, most people use debit cards for online payment. Uh, even when you're using the credit cards, like for China Merchants Bank, right, which has the highest uh, credit card penetration rate, uh, 
uh, even for China Merchants Bank users, when, when you're using a credit card for online payment, um, we treat it as if it's a debit card payment because all the payment transactions have to be authorized with a password. You see what mm -hmm. I'm saying, right? It's, it's, I mean, there's more protection uh, for the for the transaction intrinsically. It's not like in the U.S. You simply go to the merchant's website, right? right and you put in you, you put in your credit card number and expiration date, and mm. then you can authorize the payment, right? Here in China, it's a very uh, complicated process, right? The user experience is not as as friendly as what you see in many other countries, right? You have to enter your card number, your Password and and then you, you, there's also a chat code, right? Make sure you're a human being instead of a, a robot, right? But so how do I get my system. password the first time I'm using your system? Uh, well, you don't get the password from my system. You get the password from your bank, from from the card okay. issuing bank, right? So is that like the pin code? Uh, it's like a pin code to authorize the payment, right? So mm -hmm. uh, theoretically speaking, it's it's definitely uh, much safer because all transactions are protected by passwords, right? Uh, mm. you, you can just you know. Authorized transaction by giving out your credit card number and expiration date. So, I mean, for, for your company in general, how big of a problem is fraud? Because one of the things we see, China, I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of the world's internet fraud comes from China. Mm -hmm. um, and you're a payment company in China. Right. Which payment companies, it's one of the, as w what we know historically in the US, is fraud is a big issue. If you're doing six, $6 billion a year, um, how, how much of an issue do you have with fraud? Uh, well, it's. For for us, it's definitely not a it's definitely it's definitely not a big problem. You know, it's definitely not a problem as big as you know what, what PayPal faced before. Because uh, for the very same reason that I mentioned, like all the credit all the debit cards and credit cards transactions here are protected by passwords, right? So it's relatively safe. Fraud fraud, fraud does happen, but it's relatively a small uh, issue in terms of the uh, you know percentage of transaction volume. Really? So fraud is not, a, you wouldn't consider it a major issue for you? Well, it is, it is always a major issue for any payment company, right? It's constantly on our minds uh, in terms of how to improve our risk management and fraud protection you know, mechanisms. Uh, but in terms of the, uh, the actual amount, uh, you know, dollar amount related to fraud, it's re relatively a very small percentage compared to uh, what PayPal had faced before. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's kind of ironic and hard to believe because you know, although there are a lot of frauds originating from China, but, but those frauds mostly happened at sites outside of China. Right. Yeah, because w within China, that, that's how it works, right? Because all the transactions are considered debit cards transactions pr protected by a password. So your su suggestion to the U.S. would be to be protect transactions by that passcode too? Uh, no, not necessarily, right? Because I think it's a different philosophy, right? Be because in, in China, the fraud management, if you look at the the principles behind the, the fraud management is, all, is always about shifting the uh, responsibility to the end users. Uh, I don't think it's a good strategy in the long term, and it's not something that we can do by ourselves, right? The banks have to change their principles and their philosophies to really shift the... Which banks? The Chinese or the U.S.? Well, the Chinese banks, right? To, to shift all the complexity about uh, risk management from the front end to the back end, right? So they can really improve the user experience. Okay, so what you're saying is right now it is still really difficult for users. It's still it's, very difficult. It's basically all a big hassle and all the risk is on yeah, the users. Essentially, they put the hassle on the user, on the end users. Right. So you have to, I mean, if you want to use online payment, you have to go to your bank, right? Or, or at the first time when you open an account, you have to tell the bank, I want to have online payment. And then you can choose a password, right? And in some cases, you need to, if you want to pay large amounts for online transaction, 
you have to use a USB key. Right? Mm-hmm. You, you actually have to use a physical device right. to authorize the payment. Right. So there, there are many different levels of protections. On the surface, you know, these, all these protection mechanisms look much safer compared to what you have in the U.S. But on the other hand, right, it, it makes the, uh, the payment user experience much more difficult. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, one of the other things that PayPal did that helped it get going was, uh, was working with the adult industry and it was working with um, Casino. Mm-hmm. And then um, one of the reasons why they ended up getting acquired by eBay, mm-hmm. as I understand it, was because those industries are going away, which was going to dramatically decrease their uh, profits. Mm-hmm. Is there that sort of... I mean, there's, there's no adult in China. There's no adult industry. There's no casino industry. Yeah. Are there are there high-risk industries that um, payment processors work with that make up a lot of profits? Well, there, there's no... I don't think there's equivalent... Uh, I mean, legally, I don't think there's equivalent of adult industries and gambling industries in, uh, in other parts of the world. Uh, but in China, you know, uh, in some cases, you can work with the lottery uh, oh. websites, right? And I don't, I don't know if you can consider that high risk because all, all the lottery websites are th- theoretically should be uh, uh, authorized by the government, right? But relatively, you know, the profits might be higher. Uh, and uh, the other industry that we work with is the online gaming industry, not, not, not the gambling industry, but, but online, online gaming, yeah. right? Digital entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because relatively, the profits are much higher compared to other more traditional industries. And what would you mean by more traditional industries? Well, like e-commerce, online shopping, uh, you know, air ticketing, right? Mm. Uh, telecom. <clears throat> Actually, so you raised an interesting point. Um, mm-hmm. Air ticketing. Let's say if I'm in China and I want to buy a thousand dollar airfare to go to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, how am I going to pay for that? I can't pay for that with twenty dollar prepaid cards. Um, no, you can. You can. Most in most cases, you pay with your credit card or debit card. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do work with many of the uh, you know merchants in the airline industries, right? Like a lot of the major airlines are uh, our customers, like Shenzhen Airlines, China Southern Airlines, and Sichuan Airlines. And we also work with a lot of the uh, major travel agents. Um, so the way it works is that you can either pay for online payment uh, using your debit card or credit cards, or you can uh, go to one of the uh, the call centers of these airlines uh, and make a payment through the phone, right? Because we also support telephone-based, uh, you know, credit card processing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way it works is very similar to uh, what we have in the U.S., right? You just give the operator your credit card number, and mm-hmm. they can they can actually uh, process the payment. Mm-hmm. And some people feel that's more secure than doing it online. Uh, a lot of people, yeah. Ironically, a lot of people feel that's more secure than doing it online, uh, and that's not protected. That's not even protected by a password, right? Because for, for telephone-based uh, processing, you simply give out payment processing. You si- simply give out a credit card number to the operator. Hmm. Uh, but, but on the other hand, you know this kind of payment can only be used by certain by certain industry. For example, like air travel, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, then, then this is what you got to pay. You're going to pay. Yeah, exactly. This is what we call the traceable transaction because you have to use an ID to board the plane, right? right. So relatively, the the risks are manageable. Hmm. Yeah. So high tickets such as $1,000, Mm $500, $200, is really not a problem, and that will tend to be done by a credit or a debit card. Uh, And so what you're saying is one-third of China has the ability to pay a $200 um, price for something through their their debit card. Uh, Well, if we're talking about e-payment, I I don't think the... 
I don't think the percentage is that high. I don't think one third of people can do that. Maybe one one third of people have a you know bank card at one point in their life. Not all of them actually know how to pay through the internet or through a call center. Potentially, they have the ability to. And so that's one of the things that's slowing down adoption for you. Right. Okay. So um, another model that's used a lot in the U.S. is uh, recurring billing. You, mm-hmm. you sign up for something and then you bill ten dollars a month or twenty dollars right. a month. Do you have the ability to do that? Uh, we have a product called ePass, right? So essentially, it's a uh, it's a service that allows you to uh, to set up a, your your own ePay account and links that with a bank card, right? And then we can do this recurring recurring billing. Uh, but again, in China, this uh, the idea of recurring billings uh, hasn't really taken off yet, right? So it's still uh, very, we still have very limited adoption. So if I want to come to you and pay for something mm-hmm. and and be charged ten dollars a month, mm-hmm. um, you set up an ePass account and link. Why do I have to set up a separate account? Why can't that be just charged to my debit or credit card every month? Uh, because the again the bank well because by default the banks will not allow you to. Uh, um, Charge something automatically without issuing the password, right? Okay. Right, because like I said, by default, all the transactions were actually protected by a password. So you have the the way it works is and that the, the consumer can't authorize it. That's recurring every month. They can, mm-hmm. the, the password can only be used at the time each transaction is made, right? Unless they sign up with that system and explicitly give it to you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So does that mean you don't end up having much in the way of recurring billing? Uh, yeah, we, we have very limited adoption, but but we do see that as a as a trend probably in the future. What percentage of the country would be using recurring billing right now? Uh, I think it's uh, very small. Um, it's pretty much not even on the radar screen, right? I mean, because a lot of banks, say for example, also have uh, services that allow people to uh, do recurring billing for their utility payments, right? Mm-hmm. So for that type of service, uh, as far as I know, only a very small percentage of people are using that. Hmm. And so for your business, it's a very small part of your business right yeah. now? Again, I think it comes down to the trust issue, right? Because it's, it's probably a cultural factor. Uh, because Chinese people tend to put trust in more tangible things, right? So current right. building this something you know, far in the future is something relatively more unpredictable. Mm-hmm. So they probably do not want to use that uh, directly. Um, what are the other forms of payment? You mentioned um, payment by phone. Do, is there payment by mail as well? Like, what, what else are people uh, using a lot, uh, particularly related to online? Uh, well, for online payment, you can use debit card and credit cards. Uh, you can also use uh, what we call the universal prepaid cards, right? They're like, you know, buying a prepaid card from a different vendor and use that as a form of cash to make online payments. Uh, and in addition to online payment, like I said, we also support telephone payment, right? You can you can process debit card or credit card through the uh, telephone. Uh, and we also support uh, mobile payment, right? And mobile payment also has different forms. Right? Yeah, tell us about mobile payment. How does that work? Uh, it's interesting because mobile payment is a very generic term, right? Mm-hmm. People could mean very different things, right? In, in Japan or Korea, when you're talking about... In Japan and Korea, when we talk about mobile payment, you're mostly talking about NFC payment, right? Essentially, you're using your phone as a credit card and you wave it through a, a mobile phone payment point of sales, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but in China, when we talk about mobile payment, we're mostly referring to uh, remote transactions, right? Not, not in the retail situation. You're using, you're using your mobile phone to pay some remote transactions that are happening on the Internet or on mm-hmm. the mobile network. Uh, and in, in that case, we also have different methods for mobile payment, right? One 
One form that you can imagine is really to use a, a, a mobile uh, bank card payment gateway, right, which allows you to use your debit cards or credit cards on a mobile phone by uh, putting in your card number and password to authorize the payment, right, just as you're doing online, right. But that, the, the adoption of that kind of payment is still relatively small. Mm -hmm. So alternatively, what we have today is still the universal prepaid card payment on mobile phone, right. That's the most popular form of uh, mobile payment. What does that, that what does that actually mean? Is that, my, is that SMS? Well, it's the same, it, well, no, it, it's the same as the universal prepaid card that I talked about online, right? So people can actually just go to a convenience store and buy any um, prepaid card and use the PIN number as a form of cash to pay on the mobile phone. Okay, so we talked about prepaid cards, but are there, are there methods like I can pay dialing a number, which is the equivalent of a 900 number on my phone? Are there... Can I send an SMS message and get billed that way? Like, what are the uh, options? You, you can send an SMS, but, but in most cases, uh, we, we actually have an interface that allows the merchant, to, the counter provider, to build our payment interface into their uh, application, right? So you, all you do is just to su submit a form, right? It could be a, it could be a, um, a, a WAP, or it could be a part of the application. So, so I, on, my, on my phone through the web browser, yeah. I submit a form, and right. how does that bill me? Uh, well, it doesn't bill you directly because when you buy when you buy the prepaid card, you already paid, right? So what we do is that we can actually accept that prepaid card. See, see what I'm saying? You, you buy a prepaid card in the convenience store. In most cases, it's a scratch card, right? You right. scratch the card and get, get the PIN number, mm -hmm. and then you enter the PIN number on your mobile phone, mm -hmm. either through uh, you know a web interface or directly in the application. So you don't take the PIN you don't take that we, we take PIN code PIN directly. You do or you we don't? We do. We take the PIN code directly. Right. Okay, but then how does... I don't understand how this ties into the web browser on my phone. Well, you, as a user, you submit the PIN number to me to, to ePay through... Oh, I d type it in through my phone is what you're saying. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. But so that's the main way, using prepaid cards. You're not... You're not billing the, c the phone directly through the phone company or anything no, we like don't, that? No, we don't bill through the phone directly. You know, that, that's the point, because it's, it's actually a lot easier than mobile billing, right? Mobile billing is another form of mobile payment. Um, uh, on mobile payment, actually, um, you know, uh, a lot of the content providers used to use, right? Uh, but the, the problem with that is that you have to work with the carriers, mm -hmm. right? And the fees could be much higher. Sometimes you, you only get $50 back out of every... Hundred dollars of uh, transactions you make, right? Mm. And the settlement cycle could be very long, right? The carriers might not give you money after a month or two, mm. right? And in our case, if you use universal prepaid cards, um, I mean, it's all real time, right? In, in terms of uh, clearing, it's all real time. In terms of the settlement cycle, it could be very, very fast compared to the carriers, and the fees are also significantly lower. Mm. So you you stopped billing to uh, mobile phone numbers? No, we don't we don't bill to mobile phone numbers. We just uh, we just ask users to use the uh, prepaid cards. Right no, I understand that. But so you or you never accepted billing on mobile phone numbers? Uh, not directly, but we do have a service that was actually offered to our merchants through some of our partners. And do other companies bill to mobile phones here in China? Uh, yes, they do, and that was actually the most popular form of uh, mobile-related payments a couple of years back. Mm -hmm. right? And then because the uh, uh, the major carriers all had uh, you know new policies tightening tightening up this market, right? So a lot of the content providers actually lost the uh, the ability to. You know, bill through the mobile phone. Oh, really? Right. So they is it still a popular way of billing today, or? Uh, it, it is still. It, it is still a popular way to to bill through the mobile phone. But but again, the uh, um, that that kind of uh, 
you know, service is only provided by a certain operators. So I'm playing World of Warcraft and I want to put twenty dollars in. Mm-hmm. I call in a special number from my mobile phone and that'll charge to my account. You're sending an SMS. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if you can do that for the World of Warcraft, but for a lot of other contents, yeah, you can do that. Uh, but again, there's a limit on how much you can. Spend, right. Right? Is a typical amount more like would be five dollars rather than? Uh, pretty much in that range. Yeah. So if you say if you want to pay something that's worth a hundred dollars, you cannot do that mm-hmm. you know, through mobile billing. Are they doing small like micro payments? Like I want to re- read some sort of article or download something, or does it tend to be just gaming? Uh, are, you, are you asking about uh, mobile billing? Or right. Well, mobile billing is mostly used for micro payments, right? Like I said, because there's a there's actually a maximum amount you can you can pay per transaction. Right. And so, mm-hmm. what types of industries use those? M- mostly uh, digital contents like gaming or uh, you know other. Types of, uh, you know, say for example, like fortune telling services, right? Oh, really? Yeah, mostly digital consults, right? So if I want to get my astrology for the day, I can astrology, yeah, maybe uh, weather report, weather forecast, you know, all kind of, you know, digital consult services that you can buy from your mobile phone. Uh, A lot of people still use mobile billing for that kind of payments. Hmm. Okay. Um, What about billing from home phones? Is that possible? Uh, it is possible. Like the, the the fixed line provider can also build uh, directly from you know from your phone, uh, and some people use that as well. Is that something you guys support? Uh, again, we don't support that directly, but we support that through partners. Mm-hmm. So, um, what typical billing amounts can get charged to home phones? Uh, well, about the same. Uh, well, it's about the same as uh, as mobile, uh, phone? mobile phones, right? Right. So looking today at what people are using, what are, and I'm not talking about your company, I'm talking about the market in general, what is the typical sizes that people are billing in the market and, and where are they, what methods are they using to build to? Uh, you're talking about the average transaction size? Right? Average transaction size and then across the entire market, what, are the, what, what channels are they using? Uh, well, first of all, I think the average transaction size, I mean, the concept is some might be misleading because uh, you know taking our company as an example right we, we actually service the transactions uh, that ranging from you know very small amount of payment to a very large amount of transactions right like if you're if you're paying for online payment online gaming it might be 20 bucks mm-hmm. or you know even 10 bucks right but if, if, if you're paying for online if you're paying for an airline ticket it could be uh, more than you know 2,000 RMB mm-hmm. so we really cover a, a very broad range of uh, you know, transactions in, in terms of the uh, size, uh, but the average size is about uh, 800 RMB. So that translates to about 120 dollars per transaction. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a pretty big size mm-hmm. as an average. Well, for but for that's us, weighted I mean, because of the air travel. Yeah, because air travel is, it is weighted because of air tra- travel. If you remove the air travel, what's the average size? Well, if you're talking about um, gaming, it's definitely much smaller. Um, I, I think I don't have the exact number, but it should be less than 100 in, in the range of 100. Uh-huh. In dollars, so the, the ten dollars. Right, so average ten. So yeah. if we take if we take air travel out, it's about ten dollars average overall for digital content, right? If we're talking about uh, I'm talking about everything without air travel. Um, twenty dollars maybe because for online shopping, the uh, the size tends to be bigger, right? If people are buying books mm. or so, ten dollars for content, mainly gaming. Twenty dollars when it's just everything less mm-hmm. air travel. Mm-hmm. 
Mm, okay. And what is the, and, and not in your company, just in general across the market, what is the form that people are using to pay the most? Uh, well, in, in terms of the sheer transaction size, transaction volume, I think uh, bank card payments uh, are still the biggest. What percentage yeah. would that be? Um, we don't we don't really have statistics on that, right? Because when when people when analysts talking about uh, online payments, they uh, exclusively exclusively refer to um, online payments driven by bank cards, debit cards, or credit cards. Mm-hmm. Right? And if we're talking about prepaid cards, right? It could uh, I mean the range could vary a lot because you know some, sometimes people. Uh, you know, mix that up with the mobile billing as well, because it's something that has to be relied on carriers mm-hmm. ultimately. Mm-hmm. So, can you can you give me some ballpark numbers? Uh, the well, the 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 market side. Well, the, the, the overall transaction volume last year is around um, three thousand. Let me try to think. Um, 300, 300 billion RMB. Um, for the entire 2008, 300, 300, 000, 300 billion. Okay, so what would that be in dollars? We're, we're talking um, to a US audience, remember? I'm sorry, uh, that's about 300,000, that's about 40 to 50 billion. 40 to 50 billion? 40 to 50 billion USD dollars. Mm. In, in terms of the transaction volume, um, driven by debit cards and credit cards. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you have, I mean, just for comparison, I don't know at all, do you have any idea what the dollar size would be in the States? Uh, I don't, but it's supposedly much bigger. Well, a couple of years a couple of years ago, I, I did look at the number. Um, it's much bigger than what we have in China. That that would be interesting because China has the people but doesn't have the money yet. But that that transaction size has got to keep increasing, increasing, increasing. Right. It was. I mean, if you look at the growth rate. It's actually uh, pretty impressive, right? Like like I said last year compared to 2008 compared to 2007, mm. three times more. Right. Uh, in terms of transaction volume, right? So if we keep this kind of rate of growth um, in a number of years, I think it's going to be one of the biggest market. Mm. And so then the, the, the payment then you said is um, payment cards. Is that what you said for the, the, the biggest volume? Uh, bank cards. Bank cards. Debit, card, debit cards and credit cards. So that means debit cards and credit cards. And so yeah. if we separate those out, the majority would be debit cards. The majority would be debit cards, and this is this is online. I'm talking about. I'm not talking. This is general. online. This is online. And again, uh, even if you're using credit cards for online payment, uh, it's we treat it pretty much as as if you're using debit cards because they have to be authorized through a password. Mm. Now, actually, a space that we haven't talked about and we absolutely should um, is TV. What do people when they buy things on TV? I know direct response TV is quite big here in China. Is that right? Um, yes, it's, it's, it's you know a growing market as well. Uh, how are people paying for that sort of stuff? Uh, mostly, um, well, it depends. Cash on delivery, that's mm-hmm. definitely one method of paying. Uh, and sometimes people, the delivery, the delivery guy will use, um, you know, mobile POS, right? So you can actually uh, swipe your card upon arrival goods. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and in some cases, they, they can use credit cards and debit cards through the telephone, right? Through the telephone payment that I just talked about. Um, the second one, so that they come, the person who delivers the package comes with something you can swipe the card through. Yeah, you, so you can pay either when you order the the goods, or you can pay upon the arrival of the good, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in the in a former case, you can use the debit card or credit card through the telephone mm-hmm. to make the transaction, right? To pay for the transaction. 
And in the later case, you know, when you pay upon arrival to good, mm -hmm. you can pay in cash, which is cash on delivery. Right. Or you can pay through a mobile terminal. Right? And so the, the delivery right. guy has a thing you can swipe your credit terminal. card through. Yes. And that's a very common form of payment, is it? Uh, it's taken off uh, and supported by more and more vendors. Mm-hmm. And so, and those would be the main ways. So phone, phone-based credit card ordering. Um, cash on delivery through either just straight cash or through swiping a card on delivery. On mobile terminal, yes. Are there any others that are being used for TV? Uh, I think this is pretty much it. Hmm. Right. And do you do you work with any of the TV guys? Uh, we do. We do work with some of the uh, TV guys, uh, and we support them to process the uh, you know the credit card payment over the telephone. Oh, right. Okay. So you do, you support telephone-based credit card ordering as well? Yes. All right. Okay. Um, let's see if I've got any other questions. I've asked everything I can think of. Is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't covered? Um, I, I think we, yeah, we talked pretty much talked about everything. But uh, I think one thing that I can touch upon is that if you ask, I mean, because we're not the only player here in in, in the Chinese payment market, right? So if you ask us, you know, what are the major uh, differentiators that we have compared to some of our competitors, uh, I think uh, we differentiate in mostly three areas, right? The first thing is that we provide a total solution, right? I mean, as I mentioned before, not only we do online payment, we also support telephone payment as well as mobile payment. Not only we support, um, you know, bank card payment, we also support universal prepaid card payments. So our philosophy is really to give the maximum options to the end users and also to the merchants. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is that we're industry-focused. industry, industry focused, right? we, we're, we're trying to provide custom-made solutions for different verticals. Uh, because, for example, the requirements of the airline industry could be very different from the requirements of the uh, online gaming industry. Right? Mm -hmm. So what we can do is really to provide a tailor-made solution for that specific industry. Uh, and the third area that we can really uh, distinguish ourselves from a lot of our competitors is that, in addition to the core payment service, uh, we also do uh, a lot. Of, we also provide a lot of the uh, the value-added services. Uh, for example, we actually have an online platform that help our online game operators to promote their uh, contents and products, uh, and we also have a credit lending service. Uh, that way allows a lot of travel agents to buy airline tickets from the airlines. Right. So in, in addition to uh, the core payment service, we can actually provide a lot of the value-added services uh, to payment itself. So you help um, finance t uh, tickets for travel agents buying from air from airline companies? Uh, well, it's not finance-finance because uh, at the end of the day, we also help them collect payments, right? So the risks can be totally ma managed, right? Because... We actually have this in we actually have this enclosed circle in terms of the uh, the money management, right? We can we can lend them money so they can buy tickets from the airlines, but at the same time we also help them collect the money. So mm. they, they they actually uh, their money have their money has to go through our system first, right? So the risks are totally manageable. And then and the other much, the, the other one well the other one that you mentioned that's interesting is. Um, mm -hmm. In, in game in the gaming platforms, mm -hmm. what do you? What, how are you helping? You're, you're helping upsell inside the gaming platform. Well, for example, uh, well, the, the reason we can do that is that we, we have a lot of different merchants in our network, right? Mm -hmm. So, say we we, we we might have a merchant who is a TV sharing sites, just like YouTube. Right? Mm -hmm. they, they might have a lot of traffic, uh, 
but they don't necessarily have a model to collect money from their users because everyone think everyone thinks that watching you know videos should be free, right? But what we can do is that we can actually um, link these video sharing sites uh, with content providers, with gaming operators, uh, who actually has the content but does not have a way to find more traffic, right? And then we can do revenue sharing, right, between all these different uh, you know, vendors and websites. You mean you're like running ad campaigns inside a game? Uh, not not inside a game. We can actually uh, we can actually allow the uh, the gaming operators to uh, find more users through video sharing sites, for example, right? Because both are our customers. So, so let's say we're talking about we can um, do a lot Tudor. of cross selling. We can do a lot of cross selling. So we're talking about Tudor. Mm-hmm. Um, how how are you cross selling in Tudor to World of Warcraft? Well, Tudor and World of Warcraft is probably not a great example because they're they're both very big, right? Uh, an example I can give you is that we have uh, we have a customer called Kusix, right? They're one of mm-hmm. the uh, largest uh, video sharing sites right. in, in China as well, right? They have a lot of traffic, right? Mm-hmm. But they have uh, in, in a, other than the advertising, they, re- they don't really have uh, any other significant revenue source, right? Mm-hmm. So what we can do is that we can actually um, introduce other gaming operators to Kusix, right? So when people go to Kusix and watch v- videos, they can actually um, play games uh, through Kusix sites. And then when, when we collect payments for those gaming operators through Kusix, we can actually do revenue sharing you know, between us as well as uh, Kusix and the, the game providers. Okay, yeah, cool. It's a, it's a form of cross-selling, right? Because we have this merchant network. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you very much. Thank you.